0: Now, today I'm going to be continuing on from the last episode, Seneca, on premature suffering, uh, and we're going to be, uh, you know, reading a few more passages from Seneca's Thirteenth Epistle, where he's uh, again encouraging us to, to become not the slaves to uh, the narratives that run through our mind about future evils to come, right? Which is so often the case. We are the slave to these narratives because we suffer more than is necessary, and we suffer before the thing has actually happened to us. So, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, then definitely go back and check that out. Seneca on premature suffering, part one. And uh, today we're just going to be continuing on that line of thinking. So I'd like to read from uh, about halfway through verse eight. He says, quote, My dear Lucilius, we agree too quickly with what people say. We do not put to the test those things which cause our fear. We do not examine into them. We blench and retreat just like soldiers who are forced to abandon their camp because of a dust cloud raised by stampeding cattle, or are thrown into a panic by the spreading of some unauthenticated rumour. And somehow or another it is the idle report that disturbs us most. For truth has its own definite boundaries, but that which arises from uncertainty is delivered over to guesswork and the irresponsible license of a frightened mind. That is why no fear is so ruinous and so uncontrollable as panic fear. For other fears are groundless, but this fear is witless. Let us then look carefully into the matter. It is likely that some troubles will befall us, but it is not a present fact. How often has the unexpected happened? How often has the expected never come to pass? And even though it is ordained to be... What does it avail to run out to meet our suffering? You will suffer soon enough, when it arrives. So look forward, meanwhile, to better things. What shall you gain by doing this? Time. There will be many happenings, meanwhile, which will serve to postpone, or end, or pass on to another person. The trials which are near, or even in your very presence. A fire has opened the way to flight. Men have been let down softly by a catastrophe. Sometimes the sword has been checked even at the victim's throat. Men have survived their own executioners. Even bad fortune is fickle. Perhaps it will come, perhaps not. In the meantime, it is not. So look forward to better things. The mind at times fashions for itself false shapes of evil when there are no signs that point to any evil. It twists into the worst construction some word of doubtful meaning. Or it fancies some personal grudge to be more serious than it really is, considering not how angry the enemy is, but to what lengths he may go if he is angry. But life is not worth living and there is no limit to our sorrows if we indulge our fears to the greatest possible extent. In this matter, let prudence help you, and contend with a resolute spirit even when it is in plain sight. If you cannot do this, counter one weakness with another, and temper your fear with hope. There is nothing so certain among these objects of fear that it is not more certain still that things we dread sink into nothing, and that things we hope for mock us. End quote. Okay, so I know that there's a lot in this passage, and I'm going to break it down for you now because there's some really important lessons that uh, we still haven't learned as human beings that Seneca was talking about uh, thousands of years ago, right? And, and, And this whole passage is very applicable to our time, and we can see this sort of stuff happening in real time. So, what's this stuff that I'm talking about? Well... He talks about how, you know, we hear a story or somebody tells us something or, you know, tries to incite in us fear of a future event that might happen. And what happens is we immediately believe it and we don't actually put it to the test. And so he's talking at the start of this about kind of panic fear and how about, uh, you know, panic fear, not only is it is it often groundless, uh, but it's also witless because you don't actually put to the test the things that you're panicking about and and so what ends up happening is we end up being uh, like these soldiers who have to move camp because of a dust cloud that is not created by another army but simply by a stampede of cattle right uh, which he's trying to say that we we hear these rumors we hear these stories and the narrative festers in our mind and we become stressed and anxious and worried uh, not for any particular reason at all uh, you know other than uh, there is the appearance of a future danger uh, which actually in the analogy turns out to just be a dust cloud. And, and that is such a, a perfect uh, piece of wisdom for our modern age, right? Because with the fast speed of information, we can actually see this all happening in real time. You know, last year we saw the panic buying of, uh, you know, we saw the panic buying of toilet paper, uh, which is a classic example of the witless and groundless fears that are incited in people when they don't actually, you know, question what it is that they're being told. And we saw all kinds of events in the past year and a half uh, happening around COVID and, and around US politics and all sorts of things where people believed the narrative that they were told and it made them do silly things and it made them suffer unnecessarily. And Seneca puts up a really good argument for why we should be very careful about believing those narratives that fester in our mind and, and incite fear and, 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 and you know, stress and anxiety in us before the thing has happened. One of the things that he says is, you know, even though it is ordained to be, what does it avail to run out and meet our suffering? And this is, this is, there's there's something comical about this advice, but, you know, because you realize how, how much folly we engage in as human beings, how silly we are sometimes. Because what we are literally doing when, when we project into the future, a, a, a you know, a pain that is going to come or something that could happen in our future that would not be good for us, what we often do is we, instead of waiting for that thing to happen and dealing with it as it happens, we actually run to that event and we engage in it uh, in terms of the stress and the fear and anxiety before it's even happened. And what he's saying here is, what is the point? Of running to meet our fears Why not just let life come to you And deal with it as it comes You know, deal with it with a sense of calm And equanimity as the thing befalls you And and that's that's such A great point because there is Something truly hilarious about the fact That as human beings we We build these narratives up These stories in our mind of something That is going to happen to us and then we actually Run to it and experience it As if it would be great if we Could experience more of that emotion and that fear, but um, when you recognize that that's what you do, it doesn't make any sense at all. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, it is actually helpful to recognize that this is a pattern that we engage in and to to recognize that there might be some utility in it if we could turn it around in our favor, right? And, and so, you know, maybe instead of just running to these fears and, and, and anxieties prematurely and, and just letting them fester in your mind, what you want to do is you want to run towards them, but with courage and with a voluntary sense of, I'm going to see that if this thing does happen, I want to be prepared to face it, right? And so that means not being overcome by the anxiety and the stress of that future evil, but but actually, you know, being methodical about your approach and being reasonable about your your approach and saying, well, if this thing does happen, what am I going to do to remedy the effects of that event? You know, what am I going to do to make sure that I can face it with courage, with calm, and 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 you know, with with wisdom? And, and now that is a much better approach than just letting it fester in your mind. And experiencing all that anxiety, because that's actually voluntarily accepting the possibility of something bad happening to you in the future, and you're facing it head on. And when you do that, you will set, you will create a sense of calm about yourself because you know that you're prepared for it. You're not just waiting for something to kill you. You're actually moving towards something and saying, well, if it happens. I can face this and I can bear it with strength and courage and wisdom. And so that's something to really think about. But Seneca just makes such a great point, which is that it doesn't make sense that we run towards these fears and and get so bogged down in the narrative right before it has even happened. And one thing that he says here, which I really like, you know, he says, you will suffer soon enough when it arrives. So look forward, meanwhile, to better things. And we'll touch on that later. But he says... What shall you gain by doing this? Time. You know, that's such a great point. You know, how much time do we lose in our lives worrying about things that never actually happen? Or even worrying about things that do happen, but uh, aren't nearly as bad as the narrative that they have uh, created in our mind, right? How much time do you waste in your life suffering unnecessarily and prematurely? That's a great question to ask. And it's more a question that I want to leave to you to meditate on in your own life. Because the more that you meditate on that, the more you will realize that it is such a waste of time spending your mental energy and your time, you know, worrying and stressing about these things that haven't even happened yet. And I want to touch on this idea that he suggests we should look forward to better things instead of fearing these things that are happening in the future. And and, and I think there's a great argument that he makes here, because he ultimately suggests that if it comes down to us choosing between hope and fear about the thing that is going to happen in the future, we should probably choose hope. So I'll run you through his arguments for why we should do that. Firstly, he says that men have been let down softly by a catastrophe. You know, sometimes the sword has been checked even at the victim's throat. Men have survived their own executioners. Even bad fortune is fickle, he says. And this is a key understanding, like we talked about before. How many times in your life have you stressed and worried about something that you thought would happen, only to then find that it either didn't happen or it was much less frightening than you had made yourself believe in your mind, right? So, bear that in mind while I build Seneca's argument here. Because he goes on to say uh, that perhaps it will come, perhaps not. In the meantime, it is not. So, look forward to better things, right? He keeps on saying this, look forward to better things. And it'll make sense why he's saying that uh, once we get to the end of this passage. And he says the mind at times fashions for itself false shapes of evil when there are no signs that point to any evil. It twists into the worst construction some word of doubtful meaning, or it fancies some personal grudge to be more serious than it really is, considering not how angry the enemy really is, but to what lengths he may go if he is angry. All right. So, this is another great example that we can all relate to. You know, when you project that a person is angry at you or will be annoyed or will be stressed at you and, uh, and 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 what ends up happening is you don't actually question whether or not they are annoyed or whether they do feel the emotions that you think that they're feeling, but you just go straight to the step where you start thinking about all the things that they're going to do or the the, the ramifications of those emotions that they're feeling instead of questioning whether or not uh, what you're telling yourself is true, right? This is a classic way that family feuds start or, you know, feuds uh, among, amongst friends groups. It's right. You, you project these feelings upon other people and you have no idea if they actually feel them themselves. So he says, but life is not worth living and there is, there is no limit to our sorrows if we indulge our fears to the greatest possible extent. In this matter, let prudence help you and contemn with a resolute spirit, even when it is in plain sight. If you cannot do this, counter one weakness with another and temper your fear with hope. Okay, so I think this is a really important point uh, that Seneca makes here, which is that life would not be worth living if we took our fears to the greatest extent, right? And that's something really to think about. If you kept on letting those narratives simmer in your mind and making you stressed and anxious to the fullest degree about what could potentially happen to you in the future, then life would not be worth living. Reminds me of this quote from Seneca where he says, uh, why do you, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially says, why do you cry about this when the whole of life calls for tears? Uh, you know, uh, why are you worrying about this tiny little thing when, you know, the tragedy of our life, you know, the, the the mortality that we experience, the, you know, inevitable death of ourselves and everyone who we love around us, you know, that stuff Uh, You know, why would you worry so much about this other little narrative that you're playing out in your mind when all of life calls for anxiety and stress? And so, uh, it's kind of a backwards way of saying, listen... um, Maybe this narrative that you're playing out in your mind of a future evil is, is not so terrible as it, it, it might seem. And he makes the point that, uh, you know, if you cannot do this, then counter one weakness with another and temper your fear with hope. Like he kept on saying, you know, look forward to better things and temper your fear with hope. Now, you might remember a previous episode where I discussed Seneca's thoughts on hope and fear. He believed that they walked side and side with each other. They're both projections of either a good or an evil that is to come in the future that has not come yet and that may not actually come. And so, uh, he suggests that we should bring our focus, like we talked in a couple of episodes previous, bring our focus back to this day, back to this moment and face each moment uh, you know, with, with virtue and equity and calm and, and, and with discernment, right, uh, instead of just imagining all these things to come. But he does say here that if you must pick between, you know, fear and, and, and hope, you should go on the side of hope. And here's why. He says, there is nothing so certain among these objects of fear that it is not more certain still that things we dread sink into nothing and that things we hope for mock us right? And so, he brings the whole argument together here, which is that look at your life, look at all the times uh, that, that, you know, you feared these things of the future, that you made up these narratives in your mind, or you believed the narratives that were told to you about some terrible thing that's going to happen. And look at all the times that, that thing either didn't happen or was a lot less stressful than you had made it out to be in in your meditation of that thing, right? And and so, he says, look, that happens. And also what happens is that our hopes mock us, you know, we project these hopes onto the future. This is what I want to happen. And then, you know, it's like that old saying, you know, God laughs at the person who has a plan for his life or something like that. Uh, I'm paraphrasing terribly, but, uh, you know, you have these hopes and then, you know, life just goes a completely different direction. And so, in that way, hope does mock us, right? Because we think that we can control something about the future, but we just can't. And so, Seneca says here, uh, listen, if it's true, that we are actually terrible at predicting anything about the future, then we might as well remove our predictions and stop telling ourselves these narratives about what will happen in the future. But if you cannot do that, then replace your fear with hope right? Try to replace your fear with hope for the future. A hope that either the thing that you're imagining will happen will not happen or that it will happen to a lesser degree than you're currently imagining. And that makes so much sense to me. And I, you know, I hope that it does for you as well, because it is so much better to face life with hope than it is to face life with fear hope will put you in a stance where you're looking forward to better things you know you've got a positive outlook on life you 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 know that you know things won't be quite as bad as what you make them out to be in your mind but fear is just going to lead you to stress and anxiety and 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 worry that is premature and unnecessary right but but hope is going to give you a sense of calm as you go about your life and I, I certainly uh, believe that this is a, a sound psychological principle that you want to shift your fear over to a hope that things won't go quite as bad uh, or that they won't happen at all. And one of the reasons why I would assume that it's it's so much better to face life with hope than fear is because fear, you know, implies kind of a running away from something terrifying. Hope implies a moving towards something that is beautiful that to me is enough for me to recognize that this is this is a sound principle to live by right because you don't want to live your life with with a fearful and and stressful state you know imagining that it's only going to be terrible for you it's only going to be bad what's going to happen will only be bad for you you, you know you might think about the the phrase amor fati you know love your fate There's a certain hope that exists within that phrase alone, within that way of living, because you're saying that whatever happens to me, I will get the best out of it. I will take what I can from it and use it for my benefit. That's a certain hope that you instill within yourself, that you will be able to show up in a certain way and you will be able to see the benefit that exists within anything that happens to you in your life, including the trials. That's a much better way to live your life than to live it in a constant state of fear and anxiety uh, and a a kind of, uh, you know, running away from life. And, you know, Seneca seems to think that, uh, you know, we should avoid this fear at all costs, right? Uh, Even if it means just believing what you want to believe, right? He says in this next passage, he says, Accordingly, weigh carefully your hopes as well as your fears, and whenever all elements are in doubt, decide in your own favour. Believe what you prefer." Even if fear wins the majority of the votes, incline in the other direction anyhow, and cease to harass your soul, reflecting continually that most mortals, even when no troubles are actually at hand, or certainly to be expected in the future, become excited and disquieted. End quote. All right. So, there's a great message hidden in this this passage. And here's what I take away from this, right? Here's what I think Seneca is trying to say here. If it's so easy for us to believe that something will happen in the future that hasn't happened yet, and then to believe that it's going to be very bad, and to believe that to such a degree that we feel those negative emotions and stress and anxiety in, in, you know, in our souls then surely we could also believe the opposite and you know believe it to in a certain extent that it creates a sense of calm and equanimity within us and a sense of 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 courage and forward motion in our lives as opposed to being restrained and and in that state of fear um, you know wanting to run away from life this is a very good point that he makes i, I don't think he makes it explicitly but i i t- certainly take it away from this that It's important to realize that, you know, so much of the time when you feel stress and anxiety, it's not based on fact. It's not based on truth. It's not based on reality. It's just based on a belief system that's going on inside of you, right? A narrative that is playing itself out. So, you might as well turn that belief and that narrative around in your favor towards a better way of being, to hope, not to fear, you know, to to face life with courage and equanimity, not with, you know, not not with this sense of stress and anxiety that only pulls you back into, into, you know, a less favorable way of being. And he goes on to say, no one calls a halt on himself. When he begins to be urged ahead, nor does he regulate his alarm according to the truth. No one says the author of the story is a fool, and he who has believed it is a fool, as well as he who fabricated it. We let ourselves drift with every breeze. We are frightened at uncertainties, just as if they were certain. We observe no moderation. The slightest thing turns the scales and throws us forthwith into a panic." End quote. So with that, I'm going to encourage you to question yourself the next time, you know, you're having fear or anxiety over something that is, you know, potential on the horizon, right, over something that has not yet happened, but you believe might happen question yourself, you know, question what are the belief structures that you are currently using in your mind? What are the narratives that are playing out that you don't actually have to believe? You know, what are the stories that you're telling yourself that you have fabricated uh, and that you now believe fully as if they are certain, right? These are great questions to ask yourself. And then to imagine, well, do I want to face life with this kind of fear and anxiety and stress? Or do I want to face it with hope for the future uh, or or at least, do I want to face it, uh, you know, moment to moment, with strength and virtue and equanimity, uh, you know, as things come to me, not necessarily before they come to me. Uh, there's all sorts of questions that you can meditate on that can help you and 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 bring you into an alignment with reality, and not necessarily with the narratives that we constantly tell ourselves about the future and what it it might be like. And to the extent that you can question yourself in those moments and and pause and actually wake up from the dream that you're dreaming and, and live in the real world. You know, you will find a greater sense of calm and you won't be so bogged down in the stress and anxiety and worry of things that have yet to come. So, anyway, I know this has been a long episode. I'm going to leave it there with you. I hope you take a few things away from this. I certainly have enjoyed diving into those elements of of Seneca's uh, 13th letter, and there's still two more episodes that I want to do on this letter in particular, but focusing on different subjects. So, again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you next time.